Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Let's talk about integrity, godly integrity as it applies to the believer. The godly integrity and character of God will also be touched upon. Now, what does integrity really mean? Here's a working definition. It is a noun. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. Synonyms include honesty, rectitude, honor, good character, good principles, ethics, morality, which would be, according to Scripture, of course, righteousness, virtue, decency, fairness, scrupulousness, sincerity, truthfulness, and trustworthiness. Also, the state of being whole and undivided. I really like that. The state of being whole and undivided. Remember, James 1 speaks of the man who wavers and says that, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Being circumspect, uh, having a heart and life of godly integrity should be the prayer and goal of every person who names the name of Christ. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, here it is, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So we're talking about godly integrity. And 1 Thessalonians 5.22 comes to mind, abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That should be a verse that every believer should memorize. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Let me say this first. The word integrity appears 16 times in God's word. And another word that is a kissing cousin to it is the word circumspect or circumspectly we see in Exodus 23:13 and let's talk about this word circumspect and give definition to it notice Exodus 23:13 and in all things that I have said unto you be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. So as we talk about integrity and honesty and circumspectness being circumspect, it's also going to give examples. In this case, in Exodus 23, and oh, what a chapter that is. Let me highly encourage you to mark it in your mind and read Exodus 23. There is a wealth of divine instruction and wisdom in that chapter. So in this immediate verse, part of being circumspect is first and foremost, you're circumspect as unto and to the Lord himself. And if you are and as we are, we will make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let them be heard out of our mouths. And I believe that would include 
Well, let me say it this way. Other than exposing them for what they are, absolute idols and frauds, and anyone giving heed or adoration to them is an idolater who is committing spiritual adultery against the Lord and is not walking circumspectly. We are to abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, circumspect also appears in Ephesians 5.15. Actually, it's the word circumspectly. And it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So we're instructed here to walk circumspectly, and I encourage you to study Ephesians 5 and see the context of that verse. But we are to walk circumspectly. Let's talk about circumspect or walking circumspectly. That would be to be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences to walk and live in a prudent, a wise manner. Notice the word circumspect in its etymology, if you will. If you go back to the origins of this word, it starts off with circum. It's dealing with circular, that which is fully around you, the circumference of your sphere to be fully orbed with integrity and honesty and moral excellence before the Lord. So circumspect or fully orbed with integrity and honesty and holy living. Now, let me say this. When we mention the word holy, that means to be set apart unto the Lord. And that's not a work of the flesh. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So it's as the believer, the born again believer, that's the only type of disciple of Christ that there is, the only type of Christian. As we give ourselves unto the Lord in the daily crosswalk we have with him, where we are crucified with Christ, we're dead and buried and being raised up by he who is the resurrection and the life, this is all going to work itself out. So while we're talking about this and many other things in scripture, remember that it's out of that raised up out of the Lord out of that crucified, dead and buried posture that Christ is raising us up. And that is how these things are going to be fulfilled in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. It's not a work of the flesh, but it does require that we offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. So we're to give anybody who's walking with the Lord is giving their life to the Lord daily. That's what Jesus said. To follow him, you must deny yourself, not elevate, but deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. It's saying that this message is nearly never heard in the professing church, but that doesn't make us any less accountable to know it and obey it. You have a Bible so that you're not misled by the many false prophets Jesus promised would be on the scene in the last days, and they sure are, and would deceive many. The only people that can be deceived are those who don't read the Word of God and obey it. So circumspect and walking circumspectly, again, is being fully orbed in the integrity of Christ, being fully honest. And Jesus spoke of an honest and good heart as the only type of soil that's going to produce fruit unto everlasting life. Luke 8, 15. Now, what comes to mind, speaking of this integrity and moral excellence, in 2 Peter 1, where he's speaking about the Word of God. He says, according as his divine power hath given unto us, that is, Christ, who was raised from the dead, who wants to multiply his grace in each of us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about Bible truth here, and therefore there is an increase in the knowledge of God that's being imparted to each of us. Amen. Jesus said to the false religionists of his day and our day, you do err. You go into error, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. The knowledge of God is given to us. In fact, his heart is revealed through his word. 
Psalm 33:11, And then he says in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through faith. So through the exceeding great and precious promises of the Holy Scriptures, we're given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And in order to call us to be godly in all things pertaining to this life. So notice verse five, then he says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. See, so virtue, integrity, walking circumspectly, these are all interrelated. Add to your faith, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And let me encourage you with this, friend. I'm going to plant the seed of this scripture and this phrase in a scripture to you, and I want you to meditate on it and move on it as God quickens your spirit, if he does. It speaks of Jews and Gentiles, quote, purifying their hearts by faith. That's Acts 15, 9, purifying their hearts by faith. Everything in the kingdom of Christ is about faith faith in him. So if you come before the Lord today and confess your sins by faith, your heart is going to be purified. You don't have to try to earn back your way or to merit your way back into the grace of God. No, we have access to this grace by faith. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 2. I want you to get that revelation by faith. You see, as a Catholic growing up, I was taught, many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you were born and raised Catholic. Now you're born again. So automatically you're not Catholic anymore. No such thing as the Catholic who is a follower of Christ. So you can't serve idols and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's foolishness. Anybody who thinks that is a very deceived person. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devil. So get over it, repent, and stop condoning and bidding Godspeed to a fake, false, demonic, pagan, workspace religion that defies and blasphemes the name and the gospel of Jesus Christ from A to Z and all over God's green earth. Repent. Stop it. So add to your faith virtue. So faith in Christ, we have access to the saving grace of God and the multiplied grace of God by faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. And that is not only only initially, that's ongoing, beloved. We can come before the throne of grace to today and obtain mercy. And why would you need mercy? Well, you stumbled and fell. You sinned. What are you waiting on? Confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, not might be, but is, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And it's all by faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So on every biblical message that we ever preach, it would be appropriate, as we're doing here, to plant the seed of the Word of God concerning faith. So add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Amen. Let me insert walking circumspectly right in there. For if ye do these things, Peter continues, ye shall never fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Amen. I believe that is a honorable mention, if you will, or something that could be mentioned, this whole string of connected virtues that come out of a godly life, come out of the holy scriptures and the grace of God and the knowledge of God being multiplied in each of us through that cross life. And through, as we pour prayerfully over the Holy Scriptures, that's what every wise virgin believer is doing today. They're pouring over the Holy Scriptures and they have a life of prayer. Every one of them, without exception. Somebody says, I'm Christ's child. Well, you might have been in the past, but if you're not seeking the Lord and keeping your vessel full of His Word, which is His wisdom, through studying the Word of God, through getting in the Word of God, so the Word's getting into you every day, you're not a wise virgin believer. Your lamp is empty. You're a fool virgin believer. I want you to read Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And it just seems like that is a foundational passage, especially in this last hour. Ask yourself, am I examining myself before the Lord? Am I crying out to him to create in me a clean heart? See, that's your part of your prayer life, to multiply his grace to me today, to fill me with his spirit afresh, to cleanse me, to purify this vessel, amen, to give me a heart of flesh and to take away the stony places, to cause me to be circumspect, to be a man or a woman of a integrity and total honesty and to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Colossians 4.12. That is wall to wall word right there. That's what we are to pray, the word of God. We are to cry out to the Lord every day. That's the way a true disciple of Jesus wakes up early in the morning. Jesus arose early in the morning. He went out into a solitary place and there prayed. If you're following Christ, you're seeking God first. Jesus said, but seek ye first, not second, but first the kingdom of God and his his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you until but until we make that an absolute literal put that in a literal practical context it's going to do us no good. I encourage you to do that, to get up every morning, to just take the bull by the horns. Take control of your time, where your time's going to take control of you. That's how it's always going to be. If you don't have time for God, if you don't have time to have moments of prayer and reading the Word of God, you're too busy, and Jesus is not your first love, beloved. You're not ready to meet Him. You're one of the foolish virgin believers, and the fake pastors you've sat under all these years will not tell you that, because they do not care about your eternal soul. They care about you dropping nickels, and, and no, they care about nickels, noses, and numbers and dropping your money into their little coffer. If you're funding that, you're going to be judged with them. Are they preaching repentance, total honesty and integrity, the necessity of being holy as he is holy, being ready for the return of Christ, eternal damnation and the threat thereof, and the necessity to cut off the hand and pluck out the eye that causes you to sin, lest your whole body be cast into hell. No, they're not teaching that because most of these frauds aren't even teaching from the King James Bible. Let me say it again. They're in darkness. They're in darkness. This stuff is all over the place. You're telling me this is a man of God and he's still reading from a fake Bible? Send him my way. I'll go on record to debate him. Most people don't want to debate on that because they're going to get crushed. Go find the blood of Jesus in Colossians 1.14. Go find it. If it's not there, you got a fake Bible. That's one of tens of thousands of corruptions. Listen, we're to be being daily in the Word of God, washed by the water of the Word. But if you're washing yourself in dirty water, how are you going to be clean? You're not. 
Do you get in the shower and, and say, forget this, I'm not turning on this shower. I'm going outside and getting some mud. I'm going to put it in the bottom of a bucket, fill the bucket up with water, and then I'm going to pour that over my head. That's going to be how I shower. Now, how absurd would that be? Okay, that's the same thing you're doing if you're wasting your time trying to get washed while you're using dirty water, the dirty water of a fake Bible. Go look up Romans 8.1. It's chopped in half. Now, that's not our topic today, but it's always important to point this out. You got to get back to ground zero, man. You got to get in God's preserved word for the English speaking people, which he promised to preserve to our generation. Psalm 12, 6 and 7. Anybody that's in Christ will know in their spirit and by personal comparison that the King James Bible is the word of God for the English speaking people. Get in the pure word of God, the King James Bible. If you want, go to the Bible versions category on safeguardyoursoul.com. There's a wealth of information and almost all the new fake Bibles are exposed specifically there. So we must be washed by the water of the word. That's part of this whole conversation. It's confessing our sin. Each of us is in need on a constant, regular basis, being make sure we examine ourselves, see whether we're in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. And to cry out with David for the Lord to search us, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, dear Lord, and lead me in the way everlasting. Hallelujah. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Somebody says, well, brother, I don't really totally understand what integrity means. Well, I'm just opening up this topic. This is not a completely exhaust. Nobody teaching any one message is going to give you an absolute exhaustive message on that topic. This is to springboard you and to whet your appetite to get in the Word of God yourself. When you grow as a believer, you don't need somebody to spoon feed you forever. Uh, circumspectly, as living a life in a careful, prayerful, and prudent way way discreetly. All disciples of Jesus must work hard to live circumspectly as they are called to be examples to the flock and to the world. You'll notice Colossians 4, 5, walk with wisdom toward those that are without. In other words, those that are yet without a relationship with Christ. So let's move on a little bit here. Exodus 23, 19 speaks of the character, the divine attributes of God, who is circumspect and 100% holy divinely holy and perfect in integrity. Exodus 23, 19, we already mentioned and read a verse out of Exodus 23, and I encourage you to read that chapter, Exodus 23. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Exactly. In other words, God is a man of his word. He's divine, and he will do what he said he is going to do. Are you that type of man? If you give someone your word, do you keep that? If you're a man of God, you do. And then the verse continues, or hath he spoken, and shall not he make good? Absolutely, God will make good on everything he has spoken, and every promise he has made. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16. I love this Bible verse. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. There it is. Seek ye. God's telling you this. God's telling me this every day, right now. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. Not one promise God has ever made. None shall want her mate. For my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. So seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. Not one thing God has said is going to fail. Every bit of it has and will come to pass just as he said. It's unfolding revelation. Notice 1 John 3.18. My little children, this concerns integrity out of a pure heart in the people of God. The Lord is a God of purity, pure and perfect integrity, and commands his 
his people to be so also. Be ye holy, for I am holy. First Peter 3, I believe it's 18 and 19, or 15 and 16. It's First Peter 1, actually, 15 and 16. All right, First John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, a godly man of integrity is going to keep his word. So we must be careful what we say and what we promise, because we are accountable to keep those promises. I like to meditate on verses like, let thy words be few, Ecclesiastes 5, 2, and to under-promise and over-deliver. Again, 1 John 3, 18, my little children, John writes, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Again, Ephesians 5, 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. John Wesley said this of that verse, circumspectly, he says, exactly with the utmost accuracy, getting to the highest pitch of every point of holiness, not as fools who think not where they are going and do not make the best of their way, unquote. Let me read the verse again, Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Let's read another take on this verse from William McDonald, a believer's Bible commentary. He says this, in the next seven verses, Paul contrasts foolish footsteps and careful conduct by a series of negative and positive exhortations. The first is a general plea to his readers to walk not as fools, but as wise. As mentioned previously, walk in one of the key words, or is one of the key words of the epistle of Ephesians. It is mentioned seven times to describe, quote, the whole round of the activities of the individual life. To walk circumspectly is to live in the light of our position as God's children. To walk as fools means to descend from the high plane to the conduct of worldly men, unquote. And that's William McDonald. And I like what the commentator said about our walk, because that's the one of the themes of the book of Ephesians. Let me also encourage you to look up Ephesians Outline. That's on SafeguardYourSoul.com. It's titled Ephesians outline. And I'll tell you what, that post is loaded. I mean loaded. It's got text. It's got an outline, a breakdown of the beautiful book of Ephesians. It has several podcasts. I mean, this is just a wealth of rich biblical truth. Hallelujah. And so chapters four and five of this sixth book, this book of six chapters, Ephesians naturally divides into, let's say, three categories. The first three chapters are about the wealth that we have in Christ and the worship of Christ. It's all W's. Also, chapters four and five speak of our walk with Christ, which is where we're reading right now about being circumspect in chapter five, verse 15. And the sixth chapter of Ephesians is about warfare, spiritual warfare, putting on the whole armor of God, as most of us know. So getting back to our in godly integrity message, let's read one more perspective on this verse, Ephesians 5.15, which again says, see then that ye walk circumspectly, circum, like circumference, round, roundabout, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So he's saying here that we're not to live foolishly or unwisely, but live wisely and walk circumspectly. So Adam Clark wrote this. He said, walk circumspectly. Our word circumspect from the Latin circumspecio signifies to look round about on all hands, to be every way watchful, wary, and cautious 
in order to avoid danger, discern enemies before they come too nigh or too close, and secure a man's interest by every possible and lawful means. But the original word, the Greek word, signifies correctly, accurately, consistently, or perfectly. So the word circumspect or circumspectly signifies correctly, accurately, consistently, or perfectly. He continues, he says, Be ye who have received the truth careful of your conduct. Walk by the rule which God has given you. Do this as well in little as well as in great matters. Exemplify or live out your principles, which are holy and good by a corresponding conduct. Do not only profess, but live the gospel. And finally, he says, As you embrace all its promises, be careful also to embrace all of its precepts and behave yourselves so that your enemies may never be able to say that you are holy in your doctrines and profession, but irregular in your life. Adam Clark, that's a good one. Let's talk about how living in godly integrity and circumspectness works its way out in our lives. Let's look at some examples of this, and we're just touching on a few here. Let me ask you this. When you seek to communicate about the Lord, to spread his word to others. Do you show them or the person you're speaking to, or do you speak God's words to them? Or like so many in our day, do you attempt to explain God using only your own words? Do we have integrity toward the Lord and toward his word? Listen, the Bible says that we are to preach the word. And if any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles or the written word of God, First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. So godly integrity before the Lord and men would include to astutely communicate the oracles of God. In order to do that, we must know those oracles. We can read them to somebody that's just as good, if not better. I believe it's important to memorize scripture and where that Bible verse is and be a skillful navigator of the word of God itself. But don't depend on your own ability to, you know, try to explain who God is in your own words. That's got to stop. We got to have at least some scripture in it so that God is actually speaking to himself because remember, it's his word, not yours, that never returns void, but always accomplishes that which glorifies God. Isaiah 55, 11. How about this example of integrity? When a beautiful lady walks into a room, gentlemen, how do we react currently? What is our reaction? Remember, Jesus said, if we look on a woman to lust after her, we've already committed adultery in our hearts. That would go for the ladies too. If you're looking on a man to lust, I think we need to take close heed to this. Notice the wording. Jesus said that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with already in his heart. So it seems like this is saying that you already have an adulterous heart, and that's why you would even look on a woman for the purpose of lusting after her. Instead of looking at her as a creation of God and not objectifying her out of an adulterous, lustful heart. So how do we react when a woman comes into the room? Dare we lust after another man's wife? I want you to read First Thessalonians chapter 4, which speaks specifically of this matter. And it says that we're to possess our bodies in holiness. Verse 7, First Thessalonians 4, 7. For God, again, we're talking about integrity, godly integrity, first before God and then before man. Because the Bible says that a godly man walketh in his integrity. In chapter 20 of the book of Proverbs, let me read that to you. I probably should have read that 
that right off the bat, right? It's one of the main scriptures on integrity. The word integrity, believe it, appears 16 times in the Bible. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So the integrity of God in a godly man is going to transfer to his children. And so would be the converse to that. If a man lacks integrity, that's going to be sent down into his lineage. One of the things about having children, that should put us in great fear and trepidation in a circumcised life. Because everything they hear us say and see us do is going into them. These are blank slates, if you will, like sponges. We've got to be careful, saints, how we affect other people. God help us. And may the Lord circumcise our hearts. Amen. There's that word circumcise. Starts off with that same beginning. May God cut away the foolishness, the evil, the iniquity out of our hearts and minds. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and holy in his sight. Psalm 19:14. So first. Thessalonians 4, a few verses here that are worthy to be read. In fact, let me see something here. Yeah, let's go ahead and start in verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So remember, this is the chapter that at the end of the chapter, he's speaking about the return of Christ. And the Bible says that every man that has the hope of the return of Christ in him purifies himself, even as he, that is Jesus, is pure. So if you want to see who's going to be with Jesus, it's only those who are purifying themselves before the Lord. They're going to have garments that are purified and washed by the blood of Jesus. They're not going to have spotted garments. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but one that is holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27. So verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now that says a lot right there. Speaking of integrity, godly integrity, we have to learn this. We have to take personal responsibility, gentlemen, to become men of integrity. Amen. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. That makes it again clear that only the pure in heart are going to be with Jesus. Somebody says, well, I'm saved. Prove it by the way you live. Stop depending on what you did years ago when you repented and received Christ and got saved. Hallelujah. That's where it started. But you got to work out, not for, but work, walk it out. Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. And God works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. That is Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I want you to memorize that. I don't know about you. I get happy every time I think about how God is working in me, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. I'm not alone. You're not alone. At the same time, God requires that you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this is one of the ways you do that. Verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Are you doing that today? Notice verse 5. Not in the lust of concupiscence or secret desire for that which is forbidden, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. So when you see a beautiful woman, how do you know she's not married, first of all? Are we lusting after other men's wives? May God rebuke us. And it's still in us, the depth of our heart, as David prayed, unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 86, 11. Amen. May it be, O Lord, in all of those who name your name, dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. That brother does not have to be saved. 
I know that's specifically what he's saying here. But if it's another man's wife, dare we lost after her, a woman that you're not supposed to be with anyway. Let's go on here. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. God sees everything and every, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. We must sow to the spirit to reap life everlasting. Those who sow to the flesh are going to reap eternal destruction. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And let me say this. The next verse says, to be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So God said he's the avenger of all who go beyond and defraud a brother. And he's talking about it in the context of sex and lust. Because that the Lord is the avenger of such, as we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his holy spirit. That's good stuff. I believe that fit real good there. Job said this concerning the way he looked at women. He said, Job 31.1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? Look upon, just look upon. That's going to stir up lust if we look too long, right? Are we objectifying women out of an adulterous heart of lust? We got to ask ourselves that. I don't think there's a man alive that's a Christian man that doesn't have to deal with this. And let's talk about that because this is something I'm getting ready to talk about that I don't hear and I'm sure it's talked about, but I've never, maybe never, it's been a long time, heard anybody kind of balance this. And I think it leaves a piece of the puzzle, if you will, from God's truth out, which should be included. Somebody listening might be saying, man, how am I going to do that? Women are so attractive to me. Well, they're supposed to be. That's what I want to talk about here. This doesn't mean that godly men are to attempt to deny that women are beautiful. The Bible never says that. Notice Jesus said, if you look on her to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So if our hearts are impure, they're not purified by seeking the Lord and by the daily cross, which is the only way to crucify these affections and lust out of our hearts, which Galatians 5 speaks about, we're going to lust after women. It's not going to happen by accident. You've got to lay the ax to the root. A lot of guys get involved in these ministries that, you know, I guess lifeguard or I can't remember what they're called. Several men have asked me to be sponsors for them and in those things. And I'm always glad to oblige. I'm not taken away from that, but I don't go into that. I'm not the type of person just personally. You may be, and that's fine. I didn't take anything away. I'm just saying, I don't sign up for those type of things. I know that God can set me free. And if I'll start fasting and praying increasingly, as I believe we should do on the regular, I know we should do on a regular basis, crying out to the Lord to cause me to be crucified with him and submitting myself to him, then all of his blessings, including that of purity of heart, will come into play, will be a reality in my life where I'm looking at women as a creation of God and not as some kind of object of my lust. See, the scripture speaks of those who are having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. So we must ask ourselves, do we have eyes full of adultery? I would imagine that each and every one of us at some point been a man who had eyes full of adultery. And we all know if we're walking with Christ, that's a despicable dirty, evil place to be. But God is able to change our lives. We've got to submit ourselves to God. And it's only then that we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. As long as we got sin in our hearts, in any way in our lives, that's an open door and a foothold of Satan. The Bible says in James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will, he shall flee from you. He has to. He has no more place. He's shut out. When you submit yourself to God, you're repenting, confessing all your sins and coming clean, and you're being cleansed by the Lord. First John 1, 7, If we walk in the light, as he, the Lord, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's you and God. And the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. So godly men should not deny that women are attractive. 
No, such would be unnatural. The Lord made women to be attractive to us. He put a magnetic attraction between men and women. And in fact, hopefully I don't need to go into detail here, but that's how all of us got here. You're not listening to this message unless a man and a woman were attracted to each other. I'll leave it at that. So, but women aren't there for us to lust after out of an evil eye, which Jesus said is a sin. It's rooted in the heart, the hearts of the wicked, and it's got to be uprooted. Concupiscence, evil concupiscence is another term we see in God's word. That's secret desire for that which is forbidden. That's coming out of an evil heart. Jesus said all of these things, including lust, adultery, fornication, foolishness, they all proceed out of an evil heart. Mark 7, marriage and sex is for the context of holy matrimony. God created it to be delightful between a married man and married to one woman for life. The last thing we need in our day, especially, is men without natural affection. That's a Bible term. Romans 131, without understanding, covenant breakers. This is talking about apostate people without natural affection, a sodomites, homosexuals in this text. Natural affection is to desire a woman if you're a man and vice versa. Also, 2 Timothy 3.3, Paul's given a resume of the attributes of an evil generation in the final days in which we now live. And the first thing he says in 2 Timothy 3.3 3, is that they're without natural affection. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Everything you see now in the world, on TV, everywhere, is all about perverting what God's beautifully created between the complementary blessings, between the masculinity he made in men and the femininity he made in his women. So that's the last thing we need is more men without natural affection. I'm going to leave it at that. But it's not a sin to be attracted to the opposite sex. But when we have a heart that's purified by the Lord through sincerely seeking him with 100% integrity and honesty, crying out to God for a pure heart, then there's going to be a different set of eyes looking upon that woman. And I believe that we're going to say with Job, I made a covenant with mine eyes. In other words, I brought my members under subjection in the cross life, cut out the eye, hello, having eyes full of adultery. Second Peter 2.14, Jesus taught plucking out the eye, cutting off the hand, that causes you to offend. Dealing with the extremities, the heart is the source. That's where everything emanates. And so out of that pure heart, Job says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon or lust after a mate or a woman? We all know that if we stare, we might start lusting. This works on both ends. This message isn't specifically about going into you know the deepest detail about it, but godly integrity would be to be like Job and to make a covenant with our eyes. We're not going to lust after women. We're just not going to do it. We're going to have affection for our wives if you're married and pour all of your love for the opposite sex out in your holy matrimony to your beautiful bride that God gave and women that goes for you toward your man. You having eyes for him and gentlemen, husbands that you have eyes for your wife and no other woman. So we must admit it. Women are the attractive to men. They're beautiful, many of them. Also admit and acknowledge that God calls us to be holy and possessed with his integrity and purity of heart. Oh, and he's watching how we view the ladies. Purity by way of the daily cross is the only solution. Let me say personally that I was brought up in a wicked city, very perverse city, one of the worst in the world, very likely the most perverse city in America. Now, fallen man is everywhere on God's earth, so we don't want to limit it to that. But, you know, this is something that God had, it didn't go away right away when he said, me. And there was a lot of tripping and falling, but God is, I can tell you, I'm standing right now with purity of heart and life in this matter by the grace of God. And also knowing that I must keep it's ongoing under my body, that's the cross, and bring it into subjection daily today and from now forward. Lest after I preach to others, I myself should be cast away first. Corinthians 9, 27, I must be crucified with Christ. 
And let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. But I did want to mention that because somebody might be listening that has a situation where their flesh is out of control. I got good news for you. The cross prescription Jesus gave us is the answer. Well, you're dead and buried. You're counting yourself to be dead. He that is dead is freed from sin. Romans 6, 7. Are you dead? If you're not dead, you're not free from sin. If you're not free from sin, it's because you're not crucified with Christ like he wants you to be. Now, we have a category called daily cross. I want you to get in that. And I mean, just get saturated in that cross message. All right, let's head for a close here. If you own a company, here's another example. If you own a company, for example, how does integrity, godly integrity, work itself out in the daily life of a believer? And you have one or more employees, teach those people to respect your clients. You didn't hire them to disrespect your clients, did you? No. Teach them integrity. What if they're not safe? So what? They're going to learn good stuff from you. And by your life, that's how people are going to get saved. So I believe that godly integrity would lead us to cause those we hire to pay very come to work, ready to work, and to have their mind on the scene present in their heart to rightly represent your company and your service and product. Here's another example. Godly integrity in parenting. Are you training up your children in the word of God? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's only will not depart from it, right? Proverbs 22, 6. If not, the Lord is calling you to repentance now, my friend. God is watching and is holding you personally responsible and accountable to teach his word to your children. Well, they can't understand the King James Bible. Tell me about it, right? My son, that's all he ever got was the King James Bible and prayer from his dad. And he got saved at four and a half years old. And now he's a pastor. No, that's not a pat on the back. But don't tell me they can't understand the word of God. Who's the teacher, the Holy Spirit. We've got to stop all this human reasoning. Nothing's going to affect you or your child better than the real Word of God, the King James Bible. Stop all the compromise. Lean not to your own understanding. It's time to put an axe to the root, and that's part of being having godly integrity, that you're crucified with Christ, and all this human reasoning is gone. You give no place to it. Give no place to the devil, the Scripture says. And that's what you're doing when you allow him to feed you, you know, and all your corrupt, unsanctified heart, uncircumcised heart to feed you human reason. It's time to shut up, repent, shut up, and obey. Listen to heed and obey the word of God. Let God be true in every man, beginning with ourselves, a liar, Romans 3, 4. See, truly God-fearing men and women unwaveringly do the will of God, no matter what. They believe and do it, even when it brings great harm to them. Check this out, Psalm 15, verse 4. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them, the godly and God, honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and change it not. Wow. How the world needs this. People that have a godly integrity toward the Lord, they don't care if they lose all their pension, everything they've worked for, they're going to stand and do what is right. I remember when I was contracted to NASA, working with Boeing and another company, they would come around every year and try to get 100% compliance and participation in vowing to pay out of your paycheck every two weeks, a certain portion to the United Way, which is totally demonic and it contributes to planned murderhood. Otherwise, known as Planned Parenthood. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't nasty about it, but I wasn't going to do it. If they wanted to fire me, good. Go ahead. Bye. God will just open a better door. Some people are so afraid to lose what they got, not knowing that if you do, God has got a better thing for you. God forbid that you would be making more money, be freer, right? I've seen that so many times in the lives of people who truly follow the Lord. You're either serving God or money. And if you're serving money, you're not a person of godly integrity. You're a wicked, 
hellbound idolater. You're full of self. Repent. Jesus said it. You can't serve both God and mammon. You're either with me or you're against me. Matthew 6, 24 and 12, 30. So let's finish with a couple of more verses on integrity. Job 31, 5. Let me be weighed in an even balance. He said to the Lord that God may know mine integrity. That's a great prayer. Does God know your integrity? Psalm 7, 8. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. Psalm 25, 21. The psalmist said, let integrity and uprightness. That's another great word. You're not going to find that in these little feminized fake Bibles. It's in the King James Bible. Man up and get one, gentlemen. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. 25.1 of Psalm 26.1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. One more. Psalm 26.11. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. Psalm 26.11. And integrity. If I owe someone a thousand dollars and can't pay it all at once, what should I do? Show integrity. Start paying them ten dollars a month till they paid off, and keep record of it. There's a lot of other verses on integrity. The main verse of this whole message, and I should have started with it, but I said it in the middle. And let me read it again as we close. Proverbs 20 verse seven: The just man walketh in his integrity. That is before God and man. His children are blessed after him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are perfect and pure and holy holy, holy. And Lord, you commanded us to be holy as you are holy. We turn afresh even now to you. And this instant, Lord, we admit that and and we confess openly before you that we've not been pure in heart. We've had eyes of adultery, Lord, looking away from you at spiritual adultery and idolatry and disobedience. And Lord, looking after the opposite sex with lust. And we confess that we absolutely need to be poor in spirit and purified in heart. And we cry out to you now to do it, O God. We have sinned against you and ask you now to forgive our sins and purify our hearts, dear Lord, in the name of Jesus. Establish us in the crucified life to be dead and buried, Lord, so that you will raise us up and bring about your holiness and integrity for your eternal glory alone in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening. We love you. And thank you for those that are supporting this outreach. We need it. We need it. We need it. And for those few, we were so thankful for you, for you supporting this outreach. God bless you. and Thank you for listening. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're Your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.